Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Thank you for downloading the Manchester Football Social Podcast. This is Monday's show where we react to the weekend's footballing action. Steve McKinnery's here. Mc- <laughs> Steve Mac- <laughs> It's only been four weeks, Jim. You know, it's McInerney, that That's the one. Mr. No, Sil- I'm, Sil- I'm, because you're being... <laughs> Awkward. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> Statman Dave's here as well. Yep, back again. We'll be back after the podcast with some extra content, but please make sure you have subscribed to this channel so you get the next show as soon as it's ready. See you in a bit. Manchester Football Social. Right, let's do this. This is the Manchester Football Social. Here's some big news for you. Manchester Football Social topping the charts in terms of podcasts. We're in the top 20 Come podcasts on. in Malta. So hello, my Maltese friends. This is the Manchester Football Social, where we talk City, United and anything else going on in the world of football in Manchester. Pep is glad all over. Ole is Solskjaer so good. Thanks. (laughs) And we'll be talking about those things with our Manchester United man, Statman Dave. Evening, Dave. Evening, Jim. How's it going, buddy? Very good, thank you. Today, I think we want to talk about Pogba's run-up. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, talk over the weekend, the, the stutter step as it's known. Uh, but I want to get people's opinions. Should Pogba be doing it? Is it right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, isn't as it? As long as he scores and as long as he's playing well, that's the rule, isn't it? Pogba can do what he likes. For exactly. City, we've got Steve McInerney. Even Hel- Steve. Hello, you all right? Yeah, very good, thanks. I've done it twice now, actually, from Dave and myself. That's good, <laughs> isn't it? And yeah, today we're going to be talking about City's 3-0 victory over Huddersfield and are there warning signs they have complacency set again? And also, is Salah a dirty diving cheat? <laughs> <laughs> if you want your views on that one, 87711 on the text 0345-777. 1-76-25. Sounds like it's just a, an opportunity to have a little pop at Liverpool, this, doesn't it? Also, if you're an Oldham fan, I'm interested to talk to you today because it looks like, to all intensive purposes, Paul Scholes will be your next manager. The odds have been tumbling. He was supposed to be announced today. It hasn't happened yet. But he has been watching Oldham play because there was a friendly between Salford City and Oldham and apparently Scholes was on the touchline, although he was on the touchline watching Salford and not Oldham. So your views on that. Is he the right man for the job? Surely it's good to have an Oldham legend back at the club. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five is the number. 87711 is the text number. We are going to talk about Liverpool, as Steve said. I want to start it off in a slightly different way to is Salah a cheating diver? But I want to talk about Liverpool's form at the moment because I think it's a really interesting one as to where the title race is going to go and as to whether City are going to close that four-point gap, which seems unclosable at the moment while Liverpool keep on picking up points. Because you have to say, and you look at the weekend's result against Palace, Liverpool are a little bit shaky from time to time. So, is this the form of a championship winning team. How many times did we see Manchester United in years gone by Mm. play terrible football and still pick those points up time over time? Is it a chance for City to capitalise? Are are Liverpool going to drop points while they're in this kind of form? Or are they just going to keep on winning ugly and keep that gap? 
Um, they can drop points. They will drop points. I'm very certain of that. And yeah, there are signs of um, nerves. I think, if we're being honest, uh, that was a uh, a Palace team that they could have got out a lot a lot more, uh, and they made very hard work of it. And now I can't really talk because City obviously lost to Palace. But these are the signs of a team that aren't playing with the fluidity and the kind of the ambition that they started the season with. Uh, and I think the best way for City to really get at them is just to keep winning, but not just winning, winning kind of with style. I think that kind of um, arrogance. City's place missing and if we get it back a little bit I think that will scare Liverpool I think it genuinely will put pressure on them they'll see uh, United coming up actually as well I think United could be uh, a team that takes some points from them given their resurgence at the moment um, and I think Liverpool uh, it will get to them they haven't got the, the squad full of uh, champion, uh, full of uh, premiership winners they haven't got a bunch of titles in that whereas City do have the experience there um, and something at some point has to give they can't win the rest of the games uh, obviously City won't win all the rest of the games either uh, and the signs are there in my opinion that this could be a very exciting running How much does that impact a team the amount of winners inverted commas that you've got in a squad because you do look at Liverpool and you go well where's the experience where have the people that have actually got the titles under their belt. Amazingly, the only two with the experience are James Milner and Daniel Sturridge, <laughs> who you'd hardly list as the backbone of that team. Is that going to matter in the running? I, I think it could do. It's, it's definitely one of the things. Just looking at the Liverpool back four that did play Crystal Palace, you've got James Milner at right back and Joel Matip coming at centre back. You know, complete difference to Trent Alexander Arnold and Joe Gomez. And that is the, side, the squad and what City don't have with that. City have got far more depth in those positions we're seeing Dan Lowe come in and, and do pretty well at left back considering the problems at left back mm. but it did look a little bit nervy you take Liverpool's last three games they've won by a single goal in each of those games 2-1 1-0 and 4-3 so it feels at the moment if this is the time that Liverpool will drop points it's going to come in the next month especially with the Champions League coming back I watched Bayern Munich on Friday night play Hoffenheim they were very poor going forward but they pressed well which again is energy sapping if Liverpool have got to play them and then they've got to play a game a big mm. game at the weekend and that's going to take a lot. And considering that they let Nathaniel Klein go, which was a stupid decision on my in my point of view, you know, a good squad player that could have filled in at right back. Milner could have continued in midfield and defensively Liverpool could have been a bit better because they got carved open by Palace a few yeah. times and it was a bit worrying if you're a Liverpool fan. I mean, they look at the fixtures coming up and they've got Leicester at home, but Leicester the kind of team that could do a very similar thing that Palace did. They've got good players there, good creative players. And then West Ham away on a Monday night. I don't know. I think Pellegrini could do City a big favour there and I'll forever <laughs> be forgiving him for um, some of the harsher things I've said before. Uh, and then, I don't know, you've got Bournemouth, then Bayern obviously, but then United away at Old Trafford. It isn't an easy run of fixtures. No. There obviously is a harder run of fixtures than that, but even then it follows with Watford, a team that are currently doing pretty well, scoring a few goals, getting up the table. I don't know, there is some wobbles there to be had and some teams there, in my opinion, that are better Palace at the moment and um, they could definitely take points. It's just if City keep on winning and it's not just about winning, it's about winning well, in my opinion. When you look at those fixtures, the big difference with the upcoming games compared to the games we've had over the last few weeks is who plays first. Whereas in previous weeks, Liverpool have been playing, they've been maintaining that gap, stretching it to seven points, and it's been City's job to catch that oh, up. It's terrifying, honestly. It's the other way around for the next few weeks. City play first so they can close the gap, and Liverpool then have to extend it again. Is that going to make any difference at all? Definitely. It's an advantage. Like a penalty shootout, statistically, if you take a penalty first in a shootout, 55% of the time you'll come on top. Similar with this. If you have an advantage and you close... It's a great it, stat, by the way. <laughs> That's just throw that one in there. Just chuck the time, it up. All the time. All the time. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I really think City have done well recently. Like Again, I don't think they're playing too well at the moment. I think they're playing okay, yeah, but they're not at the heights. But the result against Huddersfield, like they ground out a good result, scored three good goals, and you're seeing them they're getting through these games. Liverpool struggled, they got through their game, but City are just like cruising. When De Bruyne comes back, different City. And that's the thing, I think Liverpool having to play second, the pressure that's going to be behind them, the pressure for Liverpool Football Club is how they've crumbled in the past. We've had Rafa Benitez cracking up, we've had the Brendan Rodgers team, <laughs> Gerrard slipping. They are so, so prone to this. And I think this is, this could happen now. City have got that advantage. And the squad as well, you've got to look at it at the weekend. Even though we didn't play that well, we still had uh, Bernardo and David Silva on the bench. That depth, and we've got Mendy is very soon to be back. Mahrez didn't even make the bench. Mm. Company sat in the stands watching it as well. <laughs> this is a team with loads of depth. Now, that could be a problem in terms of fluidity and, and rhythm because some players do play better with a run of games. But that's obviously going to come in handy at some point. Where Liverpool, they just don't have those options. Uh, and hopefully we can rest some players and kind of put on that pressure. We'll get on to City's game 
game against Huddersfield at the moment. Were they complacent? They were certainly slow to start. But before we do that, let's talk about Mo Salah. Because one of the things that's been talked about with Liverpool recently is they're getting the rub of the green. They're getting the decisions. And a lot of that has to go down to Mo Salah, who's fast getting a reputation. We saw it again at the weekend (laughs) as a man who throws himself to the ground with the touch of a feather. But it doesn't seem to be impacted them. Does something need to be done? about his behaviour because I mean every team has a reputation for players that go down easily and I think for United you'd have to look at someone like Ashley Leung everybody for City Sterling's had this been thrown at him at the past is it one of those things that just he gets a reputation and suddenly that will deal with itself because it does it does make a difference I think when the one day uh, agenda's been set um, people do tend to notice it and referees are only human you know they notice these things they notice these headlines they watch TV like the rest of us and given the fact that a match of the day you've got you know uh, pundits coming out and slagging him off for the first time and it's long overdue um, in my I'm just going to say it I think he's been doing it for a while um, it will uh, does make he get away difference. with it because he's a nice yeah, guy he seems like a nice place in Liverpool let's be honest as if Sterling spent about the last three seasons diving, they finally caught up to him. Yeah. And then he gets taken out versus Huddersfield and you should have had a penalty. That City was the most ridiculous decision I've seen in a long time. It that was, was bad. Quite, you could oh, you could be sat in China watching it somewhere miles away and you could still see that. <laughs> yeah. It was just so bad, like laughably bad. So bad that he brought Sterling back onto Twitter. That's how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing with that is that that happened to Sterling, right? You know, he's been diving, diving, diving. Finally been a situation where it's like the boy that cried wolf. That may happen in in Liverpool's you know title running. I don't think he's and that could be a big thing. Say. I personally don't like. The well, you can't throw shade at Mohamed Salah and not admit that Raheem Sterling likes to go down. Oh, like so I'm going to come out and say Nemanja Matic was one of the best divers in world football. He used to run to the corner, pressure on his back, <laughs> and he'd go over. It was beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it happened. You know, to the head, wasn't it? it didn't know where he was. But in, like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, he'll. There'll be a, f- a greater attention on him now. And some of those ones where someone briefly touches his arm and he platoons his way to the ground, it's a bit too much. And I think the, the attention will be deserved. I don't know how much of a difference will make, but there will be some deserved dives on him. The other side of that is that I was, I was watching some football game this weekend. It could have been Napoli, Lazio. It could have been whatever I was watching. And again, there was a clear penalty mm. that the guy stayed on his feet and the, the move breaks down and whatever but if he goes down it's a penalty Go so it's this it's this sort of like slight you know difference where you could you're either going to get three points or you're not going to get three points whether you go down or you stay on your feet like Jim it's quite interesting how you led that conversation you almost you know it came across that you were saying oh diving's always bad and you know you're cheating but at the mm. same time <laughs> if you're going to win the Champions League or the Premier League and you've got contact and you go down is that right or wrong? I think the rules are wrong in this situation okay. because you're 100% right if you have if it's your player in the box and there is some kind of contact you want him to go down you want him to win the penalty yeah. but in my view you should only go down and win a penalty if it is impeding you in some way. But if it was pulled all the time it doesn't go down but how could it not be impeding if there's contact right Oh, if there's contact, you're telling me the, every time there's any kind of contact with a player in a box, it's impeding in such a way what that it's d- going to affect your chances. I've seen players go down when it would have been easier to score <laughs> than it would be to fall over. Yeah, but statistically, again, the scoring from the penalty spot versus scoring from anywhere in the box is more likely. So again, it's one of these things where you've got to back yourself up with the stats, Jim, and sort of get away with it. You'd be watching too much Italian football, Dave. <laughs> I do, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do love a bit of Italian football. It's beautiful. How they dive, how they roll around. Yeah, what I go in football, I say. Exactly. Simple. Let's talk about the game, Huddersfield versus City, because it was one of those potential banana skins, and City came away with a comprehensive win at the end, but it was a very different first-half performance to a second-half performance. Was there an element of complacency in there and did they get a rocket at half time from Pep? <laughs> uh, I wasn't happy of him being totally honest. Um, uh, there's a very telling quote at the start of the season with Vincent Company when he said um, after the previous uh, two title uh, challenge defences where we didn't uh, play very well afterwards and our standards dropped off a cliff and um, we'd be paying attention to see how the players responded. This was Company the club captain saying that and seeing if they're up for it and for me the worrying signs were uh, against Huddersfield is that those players um, they didn't have the right desire. I don't know if they were prepared enough I'm sure they would be given it's Guardiola but they weren't focused they weren't there and the intensity was dropped and this was a Huddersfield team lacking any form of direction they were Mm. hugely there mm. for the taking and the 10 minutes that we actually turned up in the second half we put two goals past him with relative ease and for me it's not about winning sometimes I, at the moment I do maintain given the fact that Liverpool are ahead of us we need to put that pressure on them by looking confident by looking exciting um, and by setting these kind of standards that we just can't drop and this was a performance that um, it wasn't the performance of a team that's going to chase down Liverpool and win the league so we have to be better than that 
It's an interesting that you can be critical when your team's won 3 0, you've had your 17th different goal scorer of the season net, and you've racked up 100 goals so far this it, season and yet there is still more to come from Man City well, you saw Pep's face and now this is a radio unfortunately so you can't see my stellar impression but he was just sat there <laughs> back with his arms folded, looking miserable like he looked really really annoyed uh, and rightfully so obviously whatever he said in, in 10 minutes at half time made a difference but he won't be happy yeah, and I'm pretty certain he wasn't happy in the press conference afterwards um, because that could have been 6-0 and that, those three goals at the end of the season they could mean everything because goal differences could decide it this year do you think it's harsh with Gabriel Jesus again not yeah. it didn't come up. He's been in great form. I agree. I put him on a fantasy team, and Pep Guardiola goes, <laughs> "Oh, well, we want to, you know, stick it to Statman Dave's fantasy team. We're not yeah. going to play him." But it seems a bit strange because I think Jesus suits City more at the moment. I just think he needs games for rhythm, really, because I think Aguero is Aguero, and when he plays, um, you know what you're going to get with him. And he did play well against Liverpool, obviously, but Jesus is scoring goals at the moment, and I would have wanted him to start that. I mean, you can't really ever slate someone for starting Aguero too much because that's. Mm. Just, but Aguero stupidity. played poor. Like it, you got to look at it; it wasn't good. Didn't I mean, that's good hindsight game. is a beautiful thing, obviously, given the fact his last start was you know Liverpool and he was so so good there. But I still would have started Jesus because I think he does need that confidence at the moment. If he starts the next couple of games and he was bagging goals. I think then if anything happened to Aguero on Touchwood, it doesn't, he would have been a lot more confident to take over. And I think that is more important than Aguero at the moment, having Jesus as a good enough backup. So I would have started it. Having said that, you know, we did win. Isn't Aguero one of those players, though, that needs a run? He needs to be playing regularly. Yeah, he does, and when yeah. he doesn't, mm. when he's in and out, he doesn't really hit the same kind of form. But and he you'd, rather, you'd rather have Aguero in form than Jesus on form, wouldn't you? <sighs> Oh, well, Jesus, when he first joined Manchester City uh, a year and a half ago in January transfer window, um, he started a few games in a row and his partnership with Sterling Asani was phenomenal. It was really good. It was like this uh, Brazilian wonder kid full of energy and pace and desire. Um, And he actually did keep a great out team a little bit for a while. And we've not really had that same Jesus yet uh, because I've got a theory that in general, a lot of strikers struggle to adapt to life as the second man behind Aguero. And that's understandable because it is tough knowing that you are second choice. No one's really done it, have they? Yeah, and then you look at Jeco and people like that, but a very good striker who was essentially, uh, he just kind of ended up in a bit part role, you know, behind Aguero. And it does take the edge off strikers a little bit, which I don't I don't blame people for, uh, for for that for happening. And it is right to start Aguero. But you can blunt strikers sometimes when they just kind of accept a backup status. And I would like it if at times we could find a way to make Jesus get that confidence uh, to the same level as Aguero could be, because he can be fantastic on his day. The other interesting absentee again was Mares, who was omitted for tactical reasons and rotation <laughs> according to Pep Guardiola he was asked about it in the press conference and I think his answer was an expression rather than an actual <laughs> sentence but it does seem to be I mean, was that him sending a message to Mares that he needs to up his game we've seen him do it before he's done it with Sterling he's done it with Sane was that him going if you want to play in my team you need to play better what's so funny is it's a little bit like what Mourinho does with some players <laughs> yeah. where he drops them from the squad he makes a statement but because it's Pep Guardiola is absolutely okay but I kind of oh, no, hang on. <laughs> it's very different to throwing Luke Shaw under a bus isn't it the yeah. way he's handled this is situation. Luke Shaw playing well this season though Jim what do you, what, you no, crediting so. that, do you credit that directly to Jose Mourinho throwing him under the bus has he thrown everyone direct. under the bus <laughs> a direct alignment between Luke Shaw <laughs> sorting himself up but no I think Marlis is a wonderful player it shows City's depth again something that Liverpool don't have is a Premier League winner Riyad Mahrez massively important for Leicester City that season been important for City in, in parts, but again, the front three, you, you know, you pick Sane first, you pick Sterling first above anyone. I'm talking Aguero, I'm talking, you know, any other player, those two players, those two wingers, for City to win the league, they've got to start every I game for me. Yeah. So again, it's like, you, you know, tactically, they having a defender on the bench, having a midfielder on the bench would work, but it is, it's strange that Guardiola does dodge I, I probably I do think that was um, a subtle message to Morris. I mean, I do mm. think he's trying. I do think um, he's a very valuable player. He will show his worth, and he always has shown his worth with some goals and assists. Um, but I think it was kind of notable that Bernardo came on on the right as well. That was a, a small minor message. I don't think he's out of favour or anything like that, but I do think... He seemed um, like a weird signing to me. When he came to City, I was surprised that Riyad Mahrez really was the type honest, of player that Pep would go for. No, he does have the... the technically, and uh, in general, his overall uh, understanding of how to use the ball. Uh, it, well, he's technically, anyway, he's fantastic. But the one thing he hasn't quite picked up with the same 
Pace yet the way that Bernardo did um, and Bernardo is very good at this is the game understanding and when to make the right pass and when to shoot and that's the thing at the moment he pretty much always chooses to shoot at the moment where he should maybe pass uh, a little bit more and if he gets that right then he will you know he'll find his way into the team but I always kind of um, uh, equate learning Guardiola's ways like trying to learn quantum physics for football and I think it was uh, Patrick was it Philip Lama said that as well mm. or Alonso one of the two said that and it is difficult because uh, you're essentially having to rewire your brains a different way mm. of playing football and to learn that and also try and be expressive at the same time is very hard you know so eventually hopefully it'll get through to him this kind of positional play and the system play and when to pass because Sane is showing very good signs of that at the moment like his, his decision making has been excellent um, if he comes through then hopefully he'll get the self-expression once he's learned that he's got a lot to learn um, but it still doesn't change the fact that he's still a very good player we're going to get on to Manchester United's record-breaking win at the weekend in just a moment. But before we do, a word on the opposition. Huddersfield were rudderless against City. I think that's fair. Part of that's to do with them not having a permanent manager. That has now been corrected with the youngest Premier League boss being appointed. Jan Sluert from Borussia Dortmund, who was the second team manager. Not a name that I've heard before, but Dave, you've heard whispers about him. Yeah, again, he's um, regarded really well in Germany. Germany at the moment have one of the best coaching sort of... uh sort of platforms in, in world football and you expect him to play the same style. I think that's a very important thing for Huddersfield. They came up playing this pressing style, being aggressive under David Wagner and having someone like Jan come in. It's the same style. It's going to be exactly the same style. Dortmund have uh, you know a methodology at the football club. Probably you're thinking Jurgen Klopp moulded that in a way. You're pressing, you're aggressive and I think it'll fit in quite well and I'd like to see a resurgence. What Huddersfield need is goals. As we spoke about this last week is goals. Well, the problem's the players isn't it? It's not the manager necessarily. It's they haven't got players that can score goals. At the same time you're looking at like some of the players in there, Jason Punchin's got Premier League quality. Uh, Kachunga was very good in the Championship. But also, you're looking at Munier, who's had a good game against City, had a few chances, cutting yeah, in did, from yeah. the, the right, I think, right inside or left side. Mr. Sitter at the end. Mr. But... Sitter at the end. So, there's, there is enough, I think, for that team. But for whatever reason, they've just not, you know, 13 mm. goals in all comps. Like, that's mad. It's bad, isn't it? The lowest of the Football League. Oh, terrible. Um, against the, the highest of the Football League. So, that's what I had to give, didn't it, I guess? You know the phrase, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need? <laughs> familiar with that phrase I mean no one wants Big Sam but sometimes you need oh, no, Big no, Sam no. Jim, would please. Huddersfield have actually been better of getting a manager in that plays ugly football to keep him in the Premier League rather than going down the same route they've been going down with David Wagner which hasn't been working in the Premier <laughs> Big League Big Sam and but, Sam Lee eh, the dream oh, team God, you, can't, you can't tell me that <laughs> that Big Sam is going to come in and keep Huddersfield to be fair he probably yeah, he would keep but anyone up but at what Sam. cost that's what I mean but yeah. what cost like how far back are you going to go in your development Huddersfield have this idea German coaches certain German yeah. style stick with it I just hope stick with it I hope they stay up I Somewhere, like Huddersfield Big Sam sat drinking a pint of wine just <laughs> in his Huddersfield future <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you well no apparently on goals on Sunday he said that he wasn't considered for the job so that was yesterday uh, right. on the TV basically said, you know, asked him Huddersfield you know are you applying for it or that I'm not going to be considered for it which is good budget. I don't think they have the budget for Big Sam the bu- this is the crazy manager. thing for the budget for Big Sam He's going to play awful football. You know, it's not <laughs> know. the Bolton days. Gone are the days of JJ Kotcha. That's over. I'll bring bring on, him back. On the topic of Bolton, they are playing tonight. They've got a game against West Brom and there's going to be a fan protest outside the ground against owner Ken Anderson before kickoff there. If you are a Bolton fan and you want to tell us all about it, 0345 7625 is the number to call. You can text in as well. 87711. Same number, same text number if you want to talk about Manchester United because we're going to be talking about their win at the weekend next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Hello there, welcome back to the Manchester Football Social. We're locked in until 7 o'clock talking about Manchester City and Manchester United. If you want to get involved, you can call in on 0345 111 and you can text in on 87711. I'm here with Jim, my name's Stephen McInerney as well of course, and I'm here with the one and only Statman Dave. And Dave, Mr Pogba, tell me about him and his walk-up, shall we say. <laughs> what Mr Pogba's doing well this season after a certain uh, Portuguese uh, left club, you know, manager that was seen out Who the door. Who was that again? I can't remember. We're not allowed to say his name for Brian's sake. Shout out to Brian, always gets involved with the show. Um, But no, it's one of these things where Paul Pogba has this penalty technique and it's 
taking the world by storm um, <laughs> in a way where people seem really unhappy with it. And I, I was looking at it today, doing a bit of analysis on it, and he's taken six penalties this season, scored four out of the six. Mm. Two of them have been to the left, both been saved. Four to the right, they've been saved. But I was looking at his technique. Obviously, it looks a bit stupid, but he's actually <laughs> doing it to destabilise the keeper. And he's doing it in a way where he's waiting for the keeper to move. The question is, should it be allowed, Jim? Should it be? Well, why would it be allowed? Because it's a stuttering movement, which isn't allowed under the rules. Co- correct, but I think he gets away with it because it's a continuous it, Yeah, it's movement. continuous, isn't it? There's momentum. It, to me, it's a little bit Simone Zaza from the World Cup, and it's a bit it's a bit silly. I'm kind of the, I'm more old school with penalties in terms of just pick your corner and put it in there well as opposed to waiting for the keeper. But no one does that anymore. You never see anyone just walk up to a ball and <laughs> belt it like Julian Dix used to do. <laughs> Bring back the old style. Yeah, make sure you're scoring. That's the point A of scoring a penalty is make sure it's going in the back of the yeah, net. Yeah, yeah, top corner all the time. And Balotelli these run-ups well. are surely a distraction of that because when you miss, it's like chipping the keeper. When you miss, you look ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. But if you look at Paul Pogba's penalties to the right, they are literally perfect. Like, probably unsavable from a keeper. Far top right, you know, they go in there and obviously it's a massive, important scoring penalties. But I think the thing with Pogba is that one, maybe it should be looked at by the Football Federation, by the FA, uh, and two, if he can continue to work on this technique, it could become pretty dominant. What do you make of the groans from the fans? I, again, it, I, I, it is what it is, you know. I'm behind Paul Pogba. If Pogba wants to do that <laughs> and Pogba scores a penalty, I don't care. Ollie obviously came after the game and said, like, your sort of technique, Gem, yeah, I would have pretty much just blasted it into the back mm. of the net. But Pogba's got his technique. He's had it from since the days at Juve. I actually went back and watched an FA Youth Cup penalty that he took, where he properly stopped before the penalty, faked, got yellow carded, and then sent off. That game against, <laughs> was against Liverpool, which was quite amusing. But Amazing. that's what Pogba was, is trying to basically do, is faint the keeper. So he goes down, he puts the ball into the goal, which is an effective technique when it comes to penalties. Apart from that, obviously, Marcus Rashford, is the man at the moment. You know, at the moment, I think one of the best attackers in the Premier League. Doesn't He's on this fire. Come, doesn't Go this on. come down to something very simple when it concerns Paul Pogba? And I'd say the same for Jesse Lingard to a certain extent, that Jesse Lingard is still posting the same videos he was two months ago where he's silly, singing silly songs and pulling silly faces at the camera. <laughs> Ridiculous stuff for a 26-year-old man to be doing, in my opinion. And Paul Pogba, by the same note, still is doing the same things on the pitch. It's just now the results are better and he's playing better, so he's allowed to do them. Isn't that kind of uh, the way it's that's working? That's always how it is, isn't I, it? Like? I'm, I, you know, I'm 28 years old. I still do well stupid stuff, so I can't judge. You know, I, They're having fun. Let them have fun. They play Premier League football. It must be such an intense job. Just let them have a bit of a laugh. I'm 33 and I did a impression of Gabriel Jesus' thing on the YouTube video the other day, so I can't say anything either. Both but hang I- your head and shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be back next week, will we now? <laughs> it's a serious business, football. It should be handled seriously. The amazing stat I heard was told me by Niall, our producer. He said that Pogba has now bettered his goal-scoring tally in the Premier League from previous seasons. It's his best season, mm. goal-scoring He's, he's equalled it from, a se- from one of the seasons at Juve, I do believe. But I think he'll beat it. If he continues to play like he's playing, if he continues to get into the right areas, he'll he'll beat that easy, and he should do. You know, when you buy a player for eighty six million, you need <laughs> yeah. more than just a central midfielder that passes the what ball or wins tackles. Is it eight goals now or something? Yeah, eight yeah, goals eight in the league. Goals. And it's, it's not, even David Silva doesn't score many. He scores more than that, so he should be doing that really. But again, like he has the height, he has the physicality, he has the pace, he's got the timing. He, you know, he's got everything to be a fine goal scorer, and I think that's what I would have want. If you spend that money on a central midfielder, you yeah. want goals, you want assists, you want like to, for Pogba to win the Ballon d'Or, he has to continue on the same ilk of scoring goals and getting assists. That's the only way for me that he wins it. You know, in the in the era of Messi and Ronaldo, and I hadn't even considered Pogba winning the Ballon d'Or. It's going to be open as soon as Messi and Ronaldo disappear. I mean, to me, the way I see it as well, Leroy Sané could be up there in two or three years' time. It could be those two against each other, but he obviously has that kind of star quality, and that does tend to favour players uh, when the awards come out. Because Modric won it just because just because he did something. No, like look, one, Modric know? was the best player in world football last year. Centre backs yeah, don't, don't at win me. the Ballon d'Or. Disagree, <laughs> Lionel. Right, let's get the opposition's view before we go any further with this discussion about Manchester United and Brighton. It could have been. So much different for the Seagulls and AD from the Albion Roar is on the phone. Evening, AD. Hi, how are you doing, Jim? Very good. How's it? How's the weather down on the south coast at the moment? I am. I am quite literally on the beach. Really? The the tides out. I can't actually see the sea. It's about a mile away. Be careful, mate. <laughs> 
Yeah, it wasn't that bad the result of the weekend, was it? It wasn't too terrible. Uh, how was it from from a Brighton point of view? How was it the weekend? You were unable to stop Ole Gunnar Solskjaer becoming the first manager in United's history to win six of his opening league games. Well, you know, you you just talk about Paul Pogba there. You know, he's a massive hulk of a man. You know, big, strong player. It's going to take a lot to put him on the ground, isn't it? A lot to put that big, strong man on the floor. Um, Yeah, but, you know, ask yourself this question. If he gets... That was in the centre circle. Does he fall in a heap on the floor? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we're... uh, I think we're, we're file under seeing them given, but if, the bat, if that wasn't given, it's a yellow card and no one, no one bats an eyelid. But the goal from Rashford was magnificent. You, know, you can't argue with that. But, you know, um, we made a good of account of ourselves. Uh, not that you'd believe that by watching Match of the Day, which you showed a completely different game, I think. But um, it was, uh, it was it's just frustrating that we couldn't get ourselves um, back in the game. But, you know... You, you had a two-goal head start, and, but we scored a magnificent goal. Um, you know, we weren't expected to get anything at Old Trafford, but we, uh, I think we probably, on the balance of play, probably possibly deserved something at the end of it. One of the players that's impressed me for Brighton against United at the weekend and previous weeks, as well as being a defender, Dunk, who looks really strong in your team. And it's a terrible time of year for one of your players. You're a team like Brighton. You don't want players starting to come into form in January because it starts to make people pay attention. <laughs> is he a player that's going to be staying at Brighton and Hove Albion, or do you think he might be picked off by one of the big boys? C- certainly not in this window. Um, I mean, actually, I mean, Donkey, he, he's a brilliant player. You know, he's got his England call up this year. He's made his England debut as well. Um, he's a player that, if I was a team like Man United or Arsenal, I would certainly be looking at. Um, he's not actually been our best defender this year. I mean, that's that's been Shane Duffy, who's um, really, really like come on leaps and bounds this year. But I mean, Lewis, he, he's a, he's a Brighton-born lad. Uh, he's a player we're immensely proud of, um, and he's he's immensely proud of where he comes from as well. And uh, and to 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 play for and, and captain your hometown club, it, it's a it's a it's a massive accolade for anyone. But yeah, I mean, the question was, is he going to go? I, I think we've got uh, some sort of agreement with Lewis that if uh, a, a top six club comes in for him, we would probably let them talk, let him talk to him. I mean, we wouldn't sell him to a, a, a Burnley or a Southampton, maybe, or even a West Ham, maybe. But if, if, if a decent club came in for him with a decent offer, then uh, he would go with our best wishes. Eighty top man. We'll let you get back to your sunbathing on the Brighton beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds glorious. Yeah. There's a sun here somewhere. I don't think there is. That's AD from the Albion Raw, the Brighton podcast. Cheers, AD. Really appreciate that. He mentioned Marcus Rashford, Dave, which who we have to talk about because suddenly Marcus Rashford is the main man at Manchester United, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. It's all down to Ole Solskjaer, I think, and now he's integrated Marcus into the team, but... I really think Rashford's such an all-round player. You know, he not only does he defend from the front, but his movement away from the striking position is vitally important to how United play now. The freedom that you give in the likes of Lingard, uh, Martial and Paul Pogba, as well as Marcus Rashford, it just looks so much better. United are so hard to defend against. You take the goal, what a move it was, but it comes from Rashford starts the move, he drops off the defence, they link together and he's in the final third and then... The second touch after the skill is unbelievable. Like set himself up to, to finish so well, and it's, it's it's exciting. It's so exciting. Again, what he had seven shots against Brighton. His shot numbers are just going up and up is and up. Is this down to coaching? Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doing something different on the training ground that's meaning Rashford is suddenly looking it's like he confidence. might fulfil his potential? Surely it's just confidence. Some people, especially young players, as well, they mm. need to have that. Um, they need to have that freedom. Young players need to have the ability to make mistakes and not be not be fearful of it. Essentially, and I think we look at Rashford under Mourinho. He genuinely was just worn down by by the tedious 
this kind of very regimented uh, style that Mourinho played and he didn't have that ability to just to run and be himself and mm. young footballers really need that and that's what Rashford's game was built on anyway I remember seeing Rashford play against City's under 21s a few years back and um, he was just this bundle of energy essentially he ran at people and that was his greatest strength now and it still is uh, and obviously he's just enjoying being uh, under a manager who encourages attacking football his mentality is just about go out there express yourself um, and don't worry if you make a mistake but I think the big thing there is if he makes a mistake he's going to go and win the ball back he'll hunt yeah. for it and we haven't seen that since Wayne Rooney like a Wayne Rooney that was hungry that wanted to win you know as soon as the ball had gone Wayne Rooney Tevez yeah. that was one of the best United teams we've seen at Old Trafford and that side of Rashford you can't teach it and that's what puts him apart from a lot of strikers in world football in his age bracket is that not only does he score goals create goals create things out of absolutely nothing like he did at the weekend he wins the ball back in the final third. There was a really interesting quote from Wayne Rooney, actually, over the weekend, where he said when he was brought back into the England team, when they did that testimonial thing for the game over against the US, he sat Rashford down and said, you're trying too hard. Yes. Which is weird for me, because the one thing I, I think agree. of when I think of Wayne Rooney is tried really hard. It's the same thing, yeah. I think it's the same thing. It's like relaxing. I think that's the big thing Solskjaer's yeah. given Rashford is when he's finishing, it's more calm. Like, I think he, he sat him down uh, when Mourinho was still manager. Sorry, Brian. Um, basically said to him, look, just calm. When you're in these in these positions, mm. take your time, be calm, because you're going to have another chance. If you miss this one, we'll, we'll create you another one. Mm. And I think that's the mentality that Solskjaer's brought to United, is that miss, press again, win the ball, create something else. And, and it, Rashford's someone that looks so confident in that system. And it's, it's beautiful to see. Young lad, Man United Academy, Man United fan, what more would you want? You can't really call it his breakthrough season because he's had his breakthrough yeah, no, season. No, he's had it already. But is this the season that he can have where he can do what Mbappe has done, where he yeah. suddenly steps up a level and becomes a potential superstar for the future? Yeah, 100%. He made his 150th appearance for United. It's incredible That's for a 21-year-old. You know, scored 41 goals, 13 of which won games, already got four trophies, scored against Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs. Like, he's 21 years old. You'd be happy if that mm. was... You know, you've played your entire career, you've done that in the Premier League and you're out. He's 21. Plenty more to come from Rashford and he went off looking a little bit ginger in the way he was walking, but apparently, according to Ole Gunnar Schultz, that's not the right phrase, is it? Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, is ginger like the reduced version of gingerly? But it's not, is it? It's completely different. Ignore that. He went off gingerly at the weekend, but Ole Gunnar Schultz says there is no injury concerns there for Marcus Rashford. Right, we've got a couple of questions coming in on Twitter. They want to talk about Danilo and whether he is City's most underrated player this season. We're going to let Stee answer that in a moment, and we're going to hear from the ex-Manchester United manager. We're going to hear from Jose Mourinho, who gave a very, very interesting interview over the weekend on Being Sports. We'll do that next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. Steve McInerney's over there. Hello. Statman Dave's over there. We're back. And I'm sitting here. We've got some questions from you on social media. We're going to rattle through a few in a minute. If we don't get through your question, we'll try and do a few on the podcast, which this show is available via. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Search Manchester Football Social. Hit subscribe and you'll never miss a show. Always a nice little bit of bonus content in there. But I want to ask you one question, Steve, that this has been asked by a few people already, suggesting that... Danilo might be City's... <laughs> I'm rubbish for any <laughs> kind of pronunciation. Please um, say that again. <laughs> yeah. so any, basically, is he, is he <laughs> the, uh, their most underrated player so far this season? Uh, he's a very good footballer. People forget about... Uh, how good his record is in general, how many Champions Leagues he's won, all that kind of stuff. And he's won so much throughout his career. Mm. Um, but... I think people are basically saying that now because of Walker's form, which has dropped off a cliff a little bit, understandably. Yeah. Uh, and I want to kind of defend Walker a little bit because I was looking into it um, earlier. And Walker's played since the start of last season alone, 95 games. Wow. He started 77 of them. That is absolutely insane. He's played more games started than Edison, a number one goalkeeper who doesn't get rotated, um, which shows exactly uh, how Walker uh, must be feeling at the moment. And he also came back after the World Cup, um, had one week break and basically... Mm came back to training too early he just needs 10 days in Dubai somewhere to rest because his uh, concentration and even his pace seems to have dropped off a cliff a little bit 
as a result, Danilo looks a little bit more fresh and probably should play the next few games at Ryback when Mendy comes back because I think Walker just needs rest. Uh, Danilo is underrated by people. I think he's a very good footballer. Uh, he wouldn't be playing for Manchester City if he wasn't. I don't really think City have bad footballers anymore. Um, well, is there something in the Man City psyche here that we're talking about underrated players and the underdog again? Because the amount of players I've heard acclaimed as City's most underrated player over the course of the season. Laporte has been mentioned in that category. Fernandinho has been mentioned in Loads that category <laughs> Bernardo Silva that I've heard mentioned <laughs> but yeah I mean they can't all be the it, most underrated it player it just means they don't start every game that's all underrated means it means they usually squad rotation yeah essentially that's <laughs> but he, he is I think he is uh, doesn't get sometimes the respect that from some fans as well including some City fans that he probably deserves given what he's done in the game he's a very good player that most teams would kill to have as their starting right back Laporte looked excellent at the weekend, by the way. I think he is. he is a superb, superb defender. Right, let's talk about Jose Mourinho because he is box office. Uh, Being Sports was <laughs> the place he chose to give his version of Manchester United's story. I love this. Which I'm sure is probably going to impact his wallet somehow because whatever payoff he got, I'm convinced there would have been some kind of clauses in it to say he can't talk about his time at Manchester United. He talked about lots of things, including this particular question that I wanted to bring on the show. This is from Being Sports. Gary Neville said this week that never again should a manager be uh, appointed at Manchester United that would have a philosophy that is, is different to that which Manchester United supporters have grown up watching. He doesn't know my philosophy. I would love to go to a club and to be in conditions to do what uh, Jürgen and Pep, for example, they did. You look to the team that Liverpool started the game today, how many players were there before Jürgen arrived? And when Pep was not happy with with the four fullbacks that he had and in the same summer he bought four fullbacks that he liked. And when Jurgen is in the club and win absolutely nothing for three and a half years and he still has the trust and he still has the confidence and he still has the conditions to try to keep going and going. In my next job I will be not starting a conversation with the club without knowing exactly what the club wants and what the club has to give now, he didn't say it in so many words, but there is definitely a subtext there that I was not supported by Manchester United. They did not give me what I needed and the expectations weren't set before I went into the club. Who are we believing here, Dave? Is this just a wounded ego lashing out or has he got a point that actually probably the structure of Manchester United seriously needs addressing? Yeah, he's, he's a wounded animal at the moment. I like that he's still firing shots at Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, <laughs> saying that Pep Guardiola's a checkbook manager and Jurgen Klopp's never won anything. I quite like that. But at the same time, you know, he should just get on with it. Obviously, the job he did in the first few years was good, but this season was absolutely atrocious. And, you know, the reason why he left was because he his tactics weren't good enough. Whether that's to do with player recruitment or not, I don't know. I don't know the discussions between the board and Mourinho. I can't make a fair judgment on that because of that of that information. But it does feel a little bit like he's a wounded animal and needs to be like, I'm Jose Mourinho. I'm still good. If I am in control, I'll do everything. It's never his fault, is it? Must have been. It is never. He needs a holiday somewhere. What is he doing? Why is he sitting there moaning on being sports? Go to centre parks for two weeks. Put your feet up. Get some fresh air and relax. How's he going to pay for that if he doesn't go on being sport before? <laughs> exactly. But I don't need to go just... on being sport to support centre park. <laughs> so there, you need to do all the TV chat shows. I can just imagine Jose Mourinho going down the rapids. I think the interesting thing about the Jose Mourinho situation and the Old Trafford because money was spent and players were bought in, yeah. and nobody seems to want to take any kind of responsibility for who bought those players in who in the long run was it the board was it Mourinho because it made no sense from a managerial point of view even me sitting here in a chair mouthing off could see that the players bought in didn't make sense from a really, team point of view do you really think Edward would sit in there signing these players definitely he's not he's just not a football man in that sense I think he's put a list of players to Edward Wood and these are the backups maybe that they've signed which is probably a fair thing for Mourinho to say but as ever it, there is two sides to this and it's most likely a little bit of both his fault you know it's most likely uh, Woodward couldn't get the deals done or he couldn't deliver on what he's told and Mourinho couldn't get the best out of the players that he didn't deem first mm. choice and as a result sulked like a child um, as ever football is a game of compromise um, and sometimes you just have to get on with it and maybe not take out on the rest of your players on the transfer front 
It doesn't seem to be like anyone is going to be bought into Manchester United or Man City over the next couple of months. There's that little bit of debate about a potential replacement for Landinho for mm-hmm. City and Pep hinted at the weekend that he'd been looking at four or five players, but whether that was this window or whether it was the summer or not, we don't know. For United, it does look very quiet at the moment. Does that suggest that Solskjaer won't be the man for the future because if he was the man they were planning to keep on they'd be giving him money to invest wouldn't they but as it is they're kind of batting down the hatches they're making sure the players they have are on decent contracts and keeping the club bubbling along essentially until this plan comes into place in the summer I think it could be a mix of things I think there's a lot of young players that deserve a bit of bit of a chance uh, from the under-19s that United are probably looking at and thinking these are the future of the football club at that point United were nowhere near fourth place like what a job Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done to get mm-hmm. United that close but maybe this that's time then maybe if they go out there but Oli seems happy with what he's got like, he doesn't seem like he needs anything. But like, isn't that part of the reason he was brought in? Because he's he's a man who respects the club and respects the hierarchy and he's not going to cause issues if he doesn't think he's got what he needs. Yeah, and again, I think he's a better coach than Mourinho right now in terms of, I think Mourinho's a little bit outdated in terms of his, his coaching, doesn't do anything off, you know, when they've got the ball. So it's kind of... Is it fair to say that uh, Solskjaer wouldn't have this impact at any other club in the world like he has at Manchester United? Because there is a massive adrenaline rush the fact that he is a United legend. If he mm. went a Stoke, I'm sorry, or someone like that, there's no way he's getting that same level of energy. But that's why he's excitement. perfect. Oh, he's perfect, it's yeah. Perfect. But at the same time, say he's a better coach right now than Mourinho, there is some substance to that. But is it more the fact that he's coming as, as an energetic, happy presence as opposed to being this uh, young, tactical mastermind? I think there's a lot okay. about... Here's a question thrown well, to the mix with three minutes to go on. <laughs> <laughs> who, who's doing the coaching at Manchester United right now? Is it Solskjaer, who seems to sit on the bench through the games, doesn't seem to give much communication with the pitch? Is it Phelan, who it does seem to have that role? Is it Alex Ferguson, whose presence in the club <laughs> oh, come has on, been Jim. ever so increased? Thinking that to yourself, lad. <laughs> I think he's a bit... Um, he's not been well, has he, really? I'm not sure he's allowed to well, do he's that kind of stuff. a lot of time on the training ground, and he is around the football Appar- Apparently, club, he's, he's been invited once to the training ground which okay. he came to enjoyed it and apart from that nothing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said yesterday in an interview that he's you know fully taken a step back and I think what Ollie's done well is he's brought back a good coaching team Kieran McKenna is regarded as one of the best young coaches in world football you've got Mike Phelan who is one of the best coaches in world football you've got Michael Carrick that's highly regarded like it's a team effort I think that's one of the big things that maybe Mourinho lost when uh, he lost his assistant in the summer was that mm. team and United conceded loads of goals. Rui was massively important for that United's uh, ex-assistant. So it's one of these things where it's a team effort. And yes, Ollie's sitting back, but remember Fergie. Fergie was the same. Fergie would sit back, Phelan would be on the touchline. That's the relationship you need to have with the assistant coach. So it's a team effort, Jim. And I suppose one of the things that you don't appreciate as a punter is actually managers don't do much coaching. Managers manage. You look at, at Gareth Southgate in the England setup. He's there overseeing anything, but his coaches do the actual physical coaching. Have you, watched, have you watched Pep on the training ground? I think he's different. <laughs> he's very different. A very strange man. In more, great way. man. in more ways than one. So talking on the signings, what I was going to ask you was McTominay has obviously signed an extension on his deal, which is quite surprising because he only signed a deal a couple of years ago. Does that mean there's going to be more of a role of, for him going forward at Manchester United or is he going to be another player that signs a deal like Manair, for example? No, no, who, yeah, Scott McTominay is a, is a wonderful player. Been at United since he's five years old. Like, <laughs> he's not a bad player. I think he's been taken, unfortunately, he's got the poison chalice that Mourinho handed him. Um, the reason why United are not going to send him out on loan is because Marouane Fellaini's just got injured out for a month. So Scott McTominay will be at United for the rest of the season. And maybe in the summer, a loan move could go down that could really be progressive for his career because he needs to play. At this age now, he needs to play football. And I think away from United for a season, we're doing well and they can come back, fit in. You know, he's a, he's a classic Darren Fletcher style player that will do a job in a big game that you need. Right, we're going to have to wrap this up, boys. We've come to the end of the show. The other news today that I'll just throw into the mix is that the derby for the 16th of March is going to be postponed, apparently, if either City or United win their FA Cup fourth round. So if City or United beat Burnley or Arsenal, respectively, that derby will be rearranged. That basically means that it's going to be in the the, the real title race. The derby's going to be there. I I don't know what to say. Midweek, 8 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Uh, no United one fan. no one needs it. Right. Thank you very much for listening to the Manchester Football Social. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much, me. Dave. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, don't forget you can still get the podcast. Search Manchester Football Social wherever you find your podcasts because there'll be a little bit of extra content in there, I promise. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. 
Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Good show, Dave. Good show, so Steve. It was good, that wasn't it? I yeah, enjoyed that. Fun. That was a good one, that one. I said I was going to ask a couple of the questions that had come in on social media. These are mostly city questions, okay. I'm afraid, but I thought we'd rattle through them as we didn't get a chance to rattle through them in the show. But you can join in, Dave. Oh, thanks. You can give your opinion on these ones. It's not too uh, much. So, Bored <laughs> Foden on Twitter has asked the question <laughs> All right, mate. Mendy back. Can we win both domestic cups? Who should Guardiola take from the EDS for Wednesday? And who should play in the under 21s tomorrow? So, that's Tuesday, 22nd night. Um, let's start with all those questions. Um, a lot of Mendy questions. is back soon. That's that's true. Um, is he going to get in the team when he does get back? Yeah, definitely. Hundred um, percent. We've had a lot of left back problems. Danilo's currently playing there ahead of Zinchenko and Delph, who've been playing there. So I guess he'll be straight back into the team, and probably rightly so, given the money we spent him, given the fact that he he still is a very good player. So yeah, he will be starting. In terms of the EDS, um, I I'm a firm believer that uh, you should never just throw a bunch of 11 kids out in a game I don't mm. think they learn anything from that why would you learn anything from playing with the same people you play and train with every single week so what I would do in this solution which isn't ideal uh, the more important game is always the first team game because that's the whole point of this B team thing in the first place they have to uh, learn how to play with the, with the first team players and then get that opportunity and actually make the most of it so I would take three of the best players out of that um, and have them in and around the first team so for example Muric will probably start in goal again yeah. Eric Garcia has earned another start and then I would have maybe a couple more maybe just one more alongside Foden so someone like uh, Ian Carlo Paveda a very good tricky winger I'd play him but then essentially I would play uh, the likes of Gundogan and Mares and Gabriel Jesus people like that because you want to see how they play alongside the first team players not just amongst the kids difficult though isn't it because I think you saw at the weekend there seemed to be something in the back of players' minds. At three goals, they eased off. Yeah. It's like they are conscious. There are lots of games of football coming up over the next couple of months, and they need to be fighting on four fronts. Pet won't like it. If they do switch off and ease off against Burton, regardless of the result, Pet won't like it. He's mm. a very, very hard taskmaster. And I've said a few times before, winning is a habit. And the more games you win, the more the confidence rises in the squad, the more they get used to it. We have to play a few kids, definitely, but we shouldn't just throw them all in because it's pointless. Um, and then maybe I would even like to see a couple more on the bench and bring those ones on for the other kids so they get to play with the first team players as well and see how they go I think as it is he'll probably play um, a similar team to what he played in the first like I think he'll play mm. a very strong team um, you're not going to get another 9-0 though are you no we'll, we'll probably win surely Burton is that, will rest their players as well because why wouldn't they you know they're mm. going to play the strongest team that's true yeah because why would you they haven't got a chance uh, with all due respect to them um, I'm looking forward to the early goal going in for Burton and the, and the <laughs> crowd the it's all on this cup tie is alive <laughs> uh, right at Scandium 15 on Twitter says are City secretly working on buying a central defensive midfielder or are they just waiting for Dino to be injured and then out of our conference? <laughs> I don't understand that next bit. Basically, are they trying to buy a sense, uh, defensive about, midfielder? Uh, there's some rumours about um, Rudy, the Schalke midfielder, being linked to a loan. I don't think that's true. Um, that would be a smart move. It if, would be if, a smart move. If I was City, I'd be doing that right now. Well, he did well at Bayern and like, uh, at one point, didn't he? he was, well, Bayern signed him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he cause... was really good at Hoffenheim. Yeah. Very, very good player. So Julian Nagelsmann, he's like his you know, linchpin in midfield. Mm would be honestly would be perfect when yeah, I saw that link I was like that's the one he's not had a good like you know a good spell recently but he's the kind of person he hasn't played that's as, the thing isn't the it kind of person under yeah. Guardiola as a backup for his job I mean it is obviously a death knell for Delft's hopes of playing in that role um, I guess it must be a little bit of a, no confidence if he comes in I don't think it'll actually happen but it wouldn't make a lot of sense and I wouldn't disagree with it though the only thing I would say is that it does add more weight to a very hefty squad so mm. Let me ask you a quick question about transfers then, Dave, because I saw this one rumoured today. The young Porto player, 19-year-old Jao Felix, he's been getting <sighs> rave reviews right around Europe and apparently Manchester United fancy him. He's in very good goal-scoring form um, in the last few games. I, I watched a little bit of Benfica's game this weekend. But Jao Felix, I watched him play against Man United's under-19s. Mm. The way the lad warmed up, I was like, that's a player. City I think he scored twice the in the game. Warmed up that the, sometimes you can see that play the way players are focused when they warm up. What he was doing on the ball, warming up, mm. like he's a player and he's absolutely fantastic, a brilliant talent. That that Benfica team was supremely talented, but he was the star. And that was a good United team. Like so, Gomez was in there, Chong was in there, or Chong was. I think he might have been injured at that point, but that was the the side. Wonderful talent. If United bought him, it's the kind of player that really excites. It, fans yeah, an ex well very. He's you know like a. Young Ronaldo type styling where you've got someone that's got supreme talent and is going to go far in the game of football. 
Brilliant. Right. Thank you, boys. If you want to find more from Dave, it's at Statman Dave on Twitter. Do you want to find more from Stee? It's at Stephen McInerney. Do you want to spell your surname? Uh, it's M C I N E R N E Y. Or just search me on YouTube, yeah. uh, Esteemed Company. There's find the me easy there. one. I'm Mr. Underscore Jim Bob. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you get the next one as soon as it's ready. We'll see you soon on the Manchester Football Social. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.